the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today I'm so excited because I have the author of one of my favorite books, The Cannabis Health Index, um, author Uva Blushing. Welcome, Uva. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we get into the nitty-gritty, because I want to talk about today, I want to talk about your latest projects, which are very exciting. But I always like to start with my guests with, what was your first cannabis experience? Well, you know, thinking back, uh, I was still living in Germany, and I came to the States when I was 23. So I think I was a a young adult, and uh, a friend introduced me. Uh, She had brought some hash. And, um, at, you know, at first I was a bit um, skeptical because I was, I was still, un, uh, you know, socialized with the, with the narrative on the war on drugs. I was a bit cautious. And, but, you know, she, she convinced me to give it a shot, to give it a try. And uh, it was just a, a, a very delightful experience of, uh, you know, spending about an hour with the giggles and the munchies and having... You know, a, a really good time connecting in ways that we hadn't connected before, and and so so that always stood with me as a as a beacon in the in the back of my memory in terms of of uh, you know how I made first contact. Yeah, when, and when you got to the states, did you when it? What was your impression of cannabis when you got to the states? You know, I, I when I came, uh, I you know most of my friends were you know ex hippies, and so they had a pretty, you know, easygoing relationship with the plant, and not just with cannabis, but uh, with mo- most of the psychotropic plants, and and so I I I, I kind of easily uh, fell into that crowd, into that mindset, into that perspective. You know, and and but I also was was working in the in the medical field, and uh, you know, and I would I would used to judge the the quality of a substance or a drug, maybe recreational or otherwise, by the type of nine one one calls it generated. And in the the about twenty years that I worked uh, as a paramedic and a fireman for the city and county of San Francisco. I have yet, I've never come across a a call that was generated based on the use of cannabis alone. And so, so it's, 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 it's always been, you you know, uh, a, a, um, uh, you know, an ally in terms of making connections, an ally in terms of uh, um, uh, uh, embracing perspectives uh, of, of uh, wonder and adventure. And, uh, and, you know, and then little by little, uh, you know, it, it, it added a whole other dimension, and that is the, the, the area of uh, the, its, medicinal, its medicinal use and medicinal purposes. And so, 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 so overall, it's been, it's been a, a, a really interesting uh, connection, and, uh, the, you know, that is, that is still evolving and, and has been evolving for, for since my first experience uh, so, so many uh, years ago. So, Eva, 
I was thinking about when you're talking about your background as a fireman and paramedic, and then you mentioned medical cannabis, and that's 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 like where I, that's the realm in which I know you. And so, how did you make that jump into medical cannabis, and what inspired you to write the Cannabis Health Index? Well, uh, thanks for asking that that question. Uh, you know, when you're in the in the medical field. Sooner or later, everybody that you know, friends or family, are going to ask you for, well, do you think, you know, uh, um, of a treatment for this particular condition? Or do you think cannabis can potentially help with this or it can help with, 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 with this ailment that I'm, I'm challenged with? And so I, I, would, I would then actually look it up, you know, just sort of as a favor to a friend. And I would look up, uh, okay, so you have an, an issue with glaucoma. So let me look up uh, uh, what the studies, what the science is behind you, what the evidence actually is for, for glaucoma. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, three months later, somebody else would ask me about something else. And, and then, you know, after a while, you, you know, I, I w- would forget, you know, the, the information that I, I had collected the, the last time around. And so I started taking notes, you know, so I mean, I'm making my notes here for, for glaucoma, if you will, and then my notes for hypertension. And then little by little, uh, you know, uh, I was really surprised at that uh, ever-growing list of uh, conditions for which uh, cannabis or cannabinoid-based therapeutics show potential. And I was like, oh, my God, check this out. And, and so that list, that th- those nodes became the, the, the basic structure for the, the Cannabis Health Index, which literally, you know, takes a look at, at this, this vast repository of, of studies and trials and data that is out there and then lines them up to the various conditions, and most of them chronic conditions, for which uh, cannabis shows promise. And what's, one of the things that I noticed was really interesting is because most of these conditions for which cannabis uh, uh, shows promise are actually considered chronic conditions by the uh, orthodox medical tradition, that is, um, uh, conditions that uh, for which there is no cure, but then... Uh, uh, a, a, a means or a way of of modulating the disease with pharmaceuticals or, or you know uh, um, uh, means to to reduce uh, the symptoms. But but for many of these conditions in the in the Western system in the orthodox system of medicine, there is no actual cure, but uh, but an ongoing management of symptoms. And so that was an interesting element that that came out of the. Uh, out of the uh, these in, these initial notes and 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 one of the, the things I treasure the most is that because uh, bringing cannabis into the picture not just helps reducing symptoms but actually modulate the disease process in many ways and in that sense o- uh, opens up you know the door of hope a little bit more for so many different uh, patient populations for which otherwise there would be none. And, and so that alone, I, saw, I think, is a wonderful service that the, that the plant brings to, to you know, the, 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 the collective, uh, the, the collective uh, a group of people in need of healing. Yeah, I, 
<clears throat> I have to say, when I I have your book, of course, I have I have the first and second edition <laughs> sitting here in my bookcase. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I was really taken with because I I have a lot of different books on cannabis education, being an educator, is your unique approach to it because you have a more holistic approach in your book, and I I wonder if you'd speak more to that because you definitely talk about mindfulness and and just like some more around the body 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 mind connection than than most books do because most of them just put out you know this cannabinoid does this this terpene does this and then they make some vague proclamations around certain cultivars um, but yours is very different than that and I was wondering if you could dig into that a little bit for us Sure, I'd love to. You know, in the 10 plus years that I've been doing research and writing in and about the cannabinoid health sciences, I've come to believe that the reason why cannabis works so well for so many different patient populations is because it affects the body and the mind in such a way as to support the body's capacity for self-healing. And it does so primarily in, in two different ways. One, um, the right type of cannabis, given at the right dose, matched to each individual needs of each patient, will induce, one, a deep sense of relaxation, and two, it will produce multiple system homeostasis or balance at a cellular level. And when those, when those qualities click in to place, um, one of the things that, that happens that gets addressed is um, uh, there are three very common underlying pathologies that most chronic conditions share. And when, when cannabis clicks in, th- these three primary areas are being diminished, are being balanced, are being uh, 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 shifted, and they have to do with inflammation, oxidative stress, and chronic pain. Those are the, the, the three common de- denominators to most chronic conditions, and, and the, the right type of cannabis given at the right dose um, matched to each individual patient's needs will address each and every one of those components. And that is one of the, one of the reasons. The, the other one is, of course, it affects the mind. And when we're in, in a stressed state, the, the healing process, it, it, you know, is challenged with, with um, uh, more obstacles than when we are in a relaxed state. That's why a lot of healing happens at night when, we, when we're sleeping. Or that's why, uh, for instance, when we are, you know, studies have shown, let me give you an example. One of the um, uh, uh, patient populations that is, is, is new to, to cannabis and, and it's rapidly growing are senior citizens. And seniors, you know, many of us, many of our seniors are, are informed by the narrative on the war on drugs. And so when they go to the doctor's office, they come with trepidation, they come with stress, they come with fears or anxieties about this plant that they have been taught, you know, to fear as the evil wheat from Mexico. And, and so they have come with concerns. Now, uh, like I said, studies have shown that when we are in a stressed state, our pain threshold goes up. 
And when we are, I'm sorry, in a stress state, the pain threshold goes, goes down. And so the experience of pain is worsened by stress, fear, and anxiety. The same is true if we feel relaxed, if we feel, you know, a, a sense of trust. And so, so reassuring a senior, considering uh, uh, using cannabis, it goes a, 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 a big, uh, big deal into the direction of of using using the the impact of the mind in in actually being able to um, re- reduce the the experience of pain itself. And and cannabis or endocannabinoids, you know, it's not just the 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 plant cannabis that that helps with that but we you know the body makes its own version of cannabis and one of its purposes is to address these three things the chronic pain the inflammation the oxidative stress if we have too much stress if we are you know in a in a constant state of of of, of fear or anxiety like for example uh not just patient with ptsd but in this this time and an age of covid we you know we all have more stress and, and, and anxiety these days. And so that affects our endocannabinoid tone, our capacity to, to make enough endocannabinoids to, to produce these, these therapeutic effects that, that bring about the resilience that is necessary to fight off uh, uh, a, a, an infection, you know, may it be a cold or whatever, that, that, that put us into a place where we're able to um, mitigate uh, um, the, the 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 symptoms naturally that that whatever it is that we're dealing with, and so 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 it it goes a long way to um, to 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 reduce the the contributing factors that are so commonplace with chronic conditions, and so in in that sense. Um, you know, it's 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 wonderful to see what the plant can do and what the human body it, itself can do. And uh, the mind-body connection is the, that bridge between the, the 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 mind's impact on uh, the the body's capacity to regenerate. Uh, you know, it's a two-way street. You know, if if you change the way you feel, you change your your chemistry, and if you change your chemistry, you change the way you feel. And there are a great number of other examples to to talk about. You know, in terms of uh, neurotransmitters or hormones that have emotional correlates on how um, using cannabis or working with the endocannabinoid system can help mitigate moods that are conducive to healing and reducing moods that are not conducive to healing that bring about more stress. And so, so it's, it's always been an, a really fascinating uh, topic to explore both the, the, the physiological aspects of dealing with, uh, with cannabinoids, with endocannabinoids, and its impact on the mind and, and, and how that uh, all interplays with each other. Yeah, especially... When you think about two effects on the individual, because we are walking chemistry experiments, being so different with our chemical balances. And when you take in like even one of the things that I've noticed has been really, how would you say, um, just impactful on a person's cannabis experiences, neurodiversity, right? Mm. And when, you know, especially when, I, like when I when I teach my classes and I'll talk about I, you know I still will use the terminology indica and sativa although 
as we know, it's it's more about the chemotypes than that because that's really just uh it's almost like a a placeholder for describing the spectrum of feel. But when I work with certain people who have things like, you know, who have AD, ADD or ADHD, things that are a little bit more uplifting and stimulating for other people create homeostasis for them. <clears throat> and then looking at like um, just even like when you're mentioning the pandemic this year with everything that everybody's been going through and cannabis being considered an essential business in California it's been an opportunity for a lot of people to finally kind of dip their toe in the pool and see how it affects their bodies. Cause I do a, I've been a class that I've been doing regularly throughout the year has been one on anxiety, depression, and sleep. And I was, <laughs> I went from, you know, having maybe like 25 people in class to having 200 <laughs> this year. And it's like, Whoa, everybody needs something like, and, and, you know, People are striving, like we have that human desire of whether we realize it or not, like striving for homeostasis. And this year in particular, a lot of people have been, you know, going towards cannabis. But I always like to mention to people, too, even though we do create our own cannabinoids in our bodies, that not everybody, there are people who can't metabolize phytocannabinoids. And what are your thoughts around that? Well, well that was. There's a lot of points you just made that are worth a, 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 a discussion, and um, you know the, the this is a stressful time, and and stress is is an acknowledged contributor to to uh, you know lowering resistance and to um, to you know being more vulnerable to to, to uh, developing a, a condition. And and so the 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 endocannabinoid deficiency, uh, endocannabinoid tone, are two concepts that that, ex that are um, beginning to explore some of the questions or some of the concerns that that you've raised. Like for example, patients who are in a chronic stress, uh, you know, they may have developed an endocannabinoid deficiency, or the endocannabinoid tone has been thrown out of balance and that's why their resilience has has diminished and why they're becoming more vulnerable to, uh, to disease now it's it's also interesting that um, mindfulness practices anything from moving meditation such as tai chi or um, you know uh, emotional processing so that uh, people don't uh, uh, get weighed down by uh, you know 10 uh, decades worth of uh, uh, emotional luggage that they lug around that that uh, is is keeping them in a de in a depressed or anxious state, uh, and so all of these things uh, 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 play a role. and And it's been it's becoming more and more clear that uh, uh, that the cannabinoids that the human body makes itself ca can be depleted, and in that sense. You know, it can can keep the body from developing the the balance or homeostasis that uh, that healthier people, you know, have uh, at their disposal. And so, so, so in some cases, uh, I, we can use phytocannabinoids, plant-based cannabinoids, primarily cannabis, you know, to to see if that can make a difference. Now, cannabinoids uh, or cannabis 
or different types of cannabis can affect different types of people in different ways. And one of the most common misconceptions that that uh, people that are new to cannabis have is thinking that one type of cannabis is cannabis. You know, and, I, and that's that the fallacy that that, that underlies that that. Uh, uh, that assumption is the same thing as going to a pharmacy and thinking, you know, all of these pills on the shelf are pills, and so therefore pills are good for me. My doctor has prescribed me a pill, but we know, of course, everybody knows that each pill has a clearly defined purpose, and, and not everybody can use a, any pill expecting, you know, positive results. And, and, and why, while it may be an extreme example, there are so many different types of cannabis that can affect so many different patients differently. It really helps to narrow down what plant constituents are going to be optimal for each person. And, and, and while you can certainly experiment and find out, the science has now advanced enough for us to make some broad distinctions about which cannabis chemotypes are optimal for what uh, a cannabis I mean, for what patient populations? And and in a nutshell, a, a chemo, there are three basic chemotypes that that are currently defined. A chemotype one simply means it contains more THC than CBD. A chemotype two is roughly equal uh, THC to CBD, and and typically, you know, in all intent and purpose, anything between four to one and one to four, is, it falls into this this category. And then a chemotype three simply has a lot more uh, uh, CBD than THC. Now, uh, to give you uh, but one example from uh, from Western medicine, each each of these chemotypes is represented by a pharmaceutical uh, version of it or, or analog. That means a, a similar uh, uh, a product, pharmaceutical product that is equal to or very similar to a chemotype. For instance, a dronabinol or marinol is a THC-only product, which is an analog to a chemotype 1, and it's, it's, it's indicated for, let's say, uh, nausea and vomiting that's uh, secondary to chemotherapy uh, at, at treatments, or uh, it's, it's been employed effectively in the, in the treatment of anorexia and cachexia f- uh, in, uh, in, 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 in people with HIV and AIDS. And so those are clear distinction where cannabis chemotype 1 with more THC is, uh, you know, is, is the, 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 the optimal starting point to fine-tune what is right for you. Now, <clears throat> when we look at a chemotype 1, it, it, the literature lights up uh, uh, around uh, conditions such as multiple sclerosis, for example. And there you have uh, Nabiximol, so Sativex, which is a pharmaceutical version, an extract of a one-to-one uh, a chemotype 2, you know, equal amounts, uh, roughly equal amounts of THC to CBD. And then, of course, we have <clears throat> uh, Epidiolex or Pediolex, uh, which is primarily used uh, to to uh, treat pediatric seizure disorders that are refractory to uh, standard uh, um, uh, anti-epileptic epileptic treatments, and so so you know <clears throat> those are clear distinctions of where the science is now pointing to the evidence of where specific chemotypes are considered optimal, 
And, you know, you can, of course, talk about strains. You know, a Charlotte's Web, for example, is an example of a chemotype 3. And, you know, using a Charlotte's Web, of course, making your own extract is going to be so much less expensive than using, you know, a $20,000 a year supply of, of the pharmaceutical version of this. And the same is true for, for, the, for the other pharmaceutical preparations. They're easily done um, making your own medicine or using f flowers that, uh, th that uh, uh, depict that ratio, that contain that ratio. And so when it comes to the distinction in the past, most, because the science wasn't there and, and because you know, breeders and, and seed producers and, and growers often talk in terms of hybrids and sativas and indicas, you know, the, the, pro the proposed qualities that were typically associated with the strains, you know, the, the sativa indica or hybrid strains, you know, were, were generally broad. And, and if, but if you want precision, if you want medical precision uh, and predictability of effects, you need to step away from the, from the sativa and indica distinction if, for the most part and embrace uh, a prescribing by the numbers of the individual plant constituents that have shown efficacy for the different patient populations. And, and that is a very exciting new aspect that is emerging out of the, uh, the, the especially the latest sciences where, where researchers are testing the different chemotypes in the same patient populations. And, and over time, that will give us a lot more clinical guidance in, in, in terms of where to start, you know, what type of cannabis, what type of cannabis pill to, to, or tincture to use for what condition. And, you know, still, cannabis will never be a silver bullet. You know, it's like everybody right. with hypertension should take this. You know, it's always going to take... A, a, a bit of titrating the individual constituents that are going to work best for each patient, even though, you know, uh, the science points to, to this chemotype as a good starting point. And, and, and that is why cannabis educa education or educators such as yourself are so important to bring this information and bring this data you know, two people, because the more we know about uh, uh, the cannabis constituents that are optimal for each of us, the more we are able to stay on that fine line, that fine dividing line be between a therapeutic effect and an adverse effect. And, and, and so with that in mind, I think that addresses some of the questions you're, 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 you were raising just um, before I started this, this uh, yes, this long, uh, yeah, this that was that was so valuable, and and just like when you were talking about the pharmaceuticals, I was I was also reflecting on um, when I was going through my treatment for a stage three cancer, I was colon cancer, and um, my I was here in San Francisco getting chemo every other week, and my mom was doing cancer research in Dallas at Baylor. She actually did the clinical trials of the chemo that I ended up using years later, which was, well, that's a whole other story. But, <laughs> I, wow. you know, it's, it's like kind of a full circle thing, but I didn't, I was using cannabis for symptom management during my treatment because I wanted to avoid as much as possible using opiates and my anti-anxiety drugs just to due to the fact that one of those side effects is constipation and that can create sepsis for people who are going through colon cancer. 
And so I didn't want to travel with my cannabis on a plane. And I got a prescription for Marinol from my oncologist. And I brought it to, to Texas. Actually, I filled it in Texas. He called it into Texas, so I didn't even have to travel with that. And one of the things that I noticed was that it actually did almost the opposite of what it was supposed to do. It actually made me mm-hmm. feel kind of nauseated and I was groggy. And and to be quite honest, excuse my language, I was a little bitchy. It's like yep. I lost my yep. weekend with my mom. And that was, you know, something I reflected on later when I started to delve more into the science around the importance of, and I think, you know, this is something where like, there's just a certain amount of hubris, I think, with some some research with isolating cannabinoids and saying this is the active, you know, ingredient. So we're going to use this. And it's like, well, yes, yes. And like there are other components in there that you're looking at, not, you know, considering less active. But like our colleague Mara Gordon talks about the fact of like full spectrum cannabis by and large, is much more effective than isolating any certain cannabinoid. And then also, you know, and that's that's kind of the thing I was wondering when you were talking about, like, the chemotypes of cannabis. Like, how are we taking into consideration things like lesser cannabinoids and terpene profiles and things like that? I, what, wonderful question. I, I've fully come down on the side with Mara, but not just with, with Mara and with you on, on this, that full-spectrum cannabis use is, 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 is optimal compared to isolates. But, you know, the science also says that. You know, the, 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 when you look at uh, side-by-side comparison trials, looking at, at isolates or um, synthetic cannabinoids compared to the impact that a full-spectrum product will bring, it's, it, it always becomes clear that you need actual less amounts of cannabinoids to get the, the same effect and at the same time uh, creating uh, an entourage effect that, that uh, also reduces the, the threshold for developing adverse effects. And so it's, it's an all-around win. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a financial savings and it's a... Uh, it, it packs a deeper punch as far as generating therapeutic effects lasting longer uh, at, you know, uh, 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 at the same time. And so, so, so uh, while those trials where they use isolates and, and while some people really benefit from isolates, I don't want to take that away from them. If they have something that works for them and it, it happens to be an isolate, wonderful, they, there's room for that. But, but I, you know, if it be me or if it, somebody that I care about ask, uh, you know, uh, my advice, I would definitely point them to uh, using a full uh, uh, spectrum uh, uh, product. And, uh, you know, the entourage effect is the, the, the you know, the synergy is another way people talk about it. It's, it's, it's where uh, numerous plant constituents create uh, an effect that's larger than the sum of its components. And, uh, and, and in that sense, amplifies uh, the, 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 ther- the therapeutic potential that one is looking for. And so the, the acid forms combined with some of the uh, uh, already carboxylated uh, cannabinoids, uh, combining it with uh, very specific um, terpenes, where, you know, where the evidence is, 
is clearly uh, not just anecdotal evidence, but scientific evidence says, yeah, if you combine THC and myrcene, you will have an increased sedative effect, which you want to harness if you're dealing with withdrawal symptoms from opioids, for example, which you want to avoid if you're very sensitive to, to, to THC and, uh, or, or there is a, a, a potential for de- developing psychosis. You want to be extremely careful you know, with, with using THC and nursing in combination just because it amplifies that sedative effect. While it's conscious sedation, it's still, you know, it, it, to people who are very sensitive, you know, can, can affect their mood, can, can uh, actually make nausea and vomiting worse, can make them bitchy, like you said. And so, so yes, while, can, while certain cannabis constituents uh, can induce therapeutic effects in one group of people in, in, in others, it can in make them worse. And most of those things, though, are THC dose dependent. And that is a fairly good thing because it's a good rule of thumb to use. So for people who are concerned or people who had bad experiences, they most certainly ought to start by dialing down the THC uh, dose or concentration and shifting to or shifting to a, a, a cannabis chemotype uh, three or or two with with uh, only small or trace amount of THC, and then see if that type of cannabis works for them. And if it doesn't, they can always dial in very gently, you know those those uh, you know the the THC amounts and the terpenes that have shown to amplify or uh, or diminish uh, the the impact of THC. And so I, um, so yeah, full spectrum is the way to go. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, I I I totally agree. It's it's always it, it's always so eye opening to to be able to look at like the different the different ratios and and makeups and just kind of see how how it resonates for individuals. But this is also an excellent point in time to talk about your newest book, which I'm extremely excited about because I can't tell you how many times people look at me completely perplexed when they face CBD ratios. Right. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the, the CBD to THC ratios are, are, are in, in my opinion, one of the most fruitful, uh, most fertile areas of exploration to determine optimal outcomes and predictability of effects. And, you know, the the... When it comes to cannabis, one of the reasons why you'll never be a silver bullet is because there are a number of things you can't predict or control when it comes to utilizing cannabis-based medicines. You know, for example, if you're using, uh, uh, if you're inhaling something, you know, you you can never really know how much of the active ingredients are lost to the atmosphere. You can't control how much and how quickly it's absorbed across the blood-brain barrier, for example. Uh, you know, different uh, folks, even within the same patient population, have a different endocannabinoid tone and, and different endocannabinoid deficiency, a different uh, sensitivity to especially THC. And so, so, you know, those things we can control. And, and that's why a little bit of of fine-tuning, of titrating cannabis constituents, always going to be part of, of optimizing your, the, the, the treatment regimen. But there are a number of things that we can control, that we can employ to, to, to facilitate therapeutic effect, to mitigate 
the risk of adverse effects potential, and and to to you know to optimize the the the, the healing potential that that can be there, and and that starts out with broadly deciding or determining what is the optimal um, cannabis chemotype as a starting point, and so is it more uh, equal or is it less THC than CBD? And we already you know highlighted those 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 some of the, the key elements and that's the first step that's the broadest step one can 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 use in order to you know to uh, um, to to make more informed and discerning decisions you know like for example if somebody is concerned about the addiction potential of, of cannabis uh, or about the ad- adverse effects potential of cannabis you, you, both of those big concerns are primarily THC dose dependent. And so just shifting to a cannabis chemotype 3, like a Charlotte's Web or an Epidiolex product, for example, or or a tincture that's a 20 to 1 or or even 20 to 0, containing mostly CBD. All of those concerns are virtually instantly mitigated uh, by choosing that type of product. And then if it turns out that it's, it doesn't give you as much uh, um, symptom reduction or modulation of your disease uh, process that you're dealing with, then you can always dial in a little bit more THC over time, which brings us to the next step uh, that we can control, and that is the sub-ratio of THC to CBD. So, you, you, you know, I, yeah, I like to use the basketball court analogy. If you play a one to one-on-one, you know, the odds are pretty even. If you play a one on two, a one on five, a one on 20, it's a very, very different picture. And it's very similar in terms of the parts of THC to parts of CBD. And so the ratio determines the, <clears throat> the often calming effects or that CBD brings to the sometimes harshness of THC. And, and vice versa, and, uh, and, and, you know, THC can also amplify some of the therapeutic effects of CBD, but, but they tend to be very patient-specific. But the sub-ratio is the second step we can control. You know, I can buy a, a tincture that's a, a, a 1 to 5, or I can buy one that's 1 to 20. And, 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 and those numbers are wonderful to, 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 you know, to play with and dial in the, the optimal constituents that are going to be working best for you. And then, of course, the, the third step we control is the actual dosage. What is the milligram amount of THC, of CBD, or, or, or other plant constituents? And, and um, then, of course, the, the, the next controllable step is, is, is looking at the different forms. You know that uh, when you inhaling a um, cannabinoid-based therapeutic, it tends to produce very different effects in terms of onset and duration and intensity than if you're utilizing an inhalation or a topical, or you're using it as a, as a, uh, as a suppository or, or 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 some of the other forms that are certainly available. And so, so. Uh, uh, Step five, if you will, of of the six things that we can control that 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 uh, generate the predictability of effects has to do with engaging the entourage effect, and that is where we want to bring in you know certain asset forms, uh, uh, certain uh, uh, 
synergy producing um, terpenes or flavonoids that that and, and you know there's a, a fa- fascinating amount of data out there that we can pull and 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 lean on in order to make significantly more informed and discerning decisions to 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 fine tune our healing regimen and then lastly and perhaps the most important step is to keep a session log and when you when you keep a session log and and one thing did or did not work for you you want to make one change at a time and the session log will help you keep track of it so if you switch a chemotype you know that let's say you started out with a chemotype one and and you got anxious or more nauseous um uh, than than you wanted to be you you know you might want to switch to a chemotype two. So you keep track in the session log, and you write a few notes about the experience. And within a few days, keeping a session log, knowing exactly what change produced what change in your symptoms or in your you know in in the in the way uh, the, the cannabis experience unfolded with you, that is how you going to check in with your inner core with you know your you know that's where you activate the mind body bridge this is where you your your <clears throat> engagement with the plant ally uh, that cannabis can truly be uh, and you know you can bring it to the to the conscious to the conscious fore to the conscious forefront and 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 many times you you know you, some people report wonderful insights as they pay inten- attention to you know, making subtle shifts on the outside and and how they respond to it. You know, there are connections that are being made that uh, uh, th- that can be part and parcel of uh, of a, of a uh, deeper healing process. And uh, and in in that sense is why I'm 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 believing that the, the perhaps the most important step is to to becoming more mindful. And a session law can certainly help with that process. Yeah, I I um I I agree with you. It's it's one of those things where I think even you know when people have come to see me and they're frustrated because they've been experimenting with cannabis but it's been more or less more of a willy-nilly sort of way of trying things and doing recording your impressions is not only valuable for capturing the information about how you're personally metabolizing cannabis but I think that the exercise in itself is a good tool for grounding and mindfulness about everything we put in our bodies and and just like looking at setting expectations for that experimentation process one of the things it, that i say to people and this is this is well, it's, i'm preaching to the choir it's exactly what you just said is <laughs> you know talking about the giving them a goal the goal is to find the appropriate ratio at the lowest volume possible that creates the desired reaction in the body but also that if your first experimentation set of experimentations with ratios and volume aren't giving you what you're looking for, you're still capturing really important information about how you personally metabolize cannabis. And so it's not a wasted effort. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. In fact, you know, you're, you're addressing, you know, the, 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 the two terms, pharmacodynamics and, and pharmacokinetics of cannabis and, and they differ. They differ depending on on plant constituents, and of course they differ in terms of how your body responds to it. And in in a way, it's you know it, that suggestion or that process is a very self empowering uh, 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 task to engage in, 
because it it allows you to to see how uh, working with the the exterior numbers of the constituents you know produce the very uh, uh, shifts in symptoms and in the way uh, you feel and the way you uh, your, your cognition works and how that works for you and that and that is you know that awareness building is is a, can be a very empowering tool as many of the people that bring mind body medicine to their healing process have discovered and and so so the first step is is that awareness uh, and making that connection of how one shift how i shift one of these fi- five steps before this session log will produce a different set of 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 responses you know, within me, but also the attention that I bring to noticing that shift is where the the, the mindfulness can f- facilitate the empowerment that can deepen the healing process. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to shift a little because I want to geek out with you on your your newest project. Which, well, I'll say newest because this is the only newest one that I know since the last time we spoke. (laughs) Because I know you always have a lot of irons in the fire. But this is a little bit of a higher level project where can keys. Because I've been, I've had the opportunity to talk to people who have developed apps for cannabis usage, cannabis information, and by and large... And if if I may be so candid, I haven't been very appreciative of them, especially because, by and large, it's been people coming from the tech field without any real knowledge of cannabis and how it works. And so they're just kind of plugging things together. Whereas when I looked at your project, it was just much more in-depth and educational. And there was real there's real substance to it. I was I was very impressed by what I saw, but if, for our listeners, if you could explain to them what Canakees is and how it works. Sure. Um, Canakees uh, uh, was developed, we started about four years ago when when Douglas Real and uh, David Rosenthal, the, the, the tech guy, uh, and, and the three of us got together and and, and Doug was the, the publisher of the company that published the Cannabis Health Index. That's how we, we know each other. And, um, and we were talking about the Cannabis Health Index and the rapid growth of the scientific literature. I mean, I don't know if you looked uh, or how frequently you... You, you visit PubMed or some of the other repositories that are out there, the, 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 the rate by which cannabinoid-based uh, studies are published is roughly about 10 studies a day that get added to, to the collective knowledge that we have at our disposal. Now, the, the problem with that is that um, the, the studies are not... Uh, they are not um, structured in such a way that they make for an easy distillation of the data that's most relevant to, to you know, in, an individual patient or to even a, 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 an educator such as yourself or a healthcare provider, like a nurse or a physician. And so, so uh, it, it, you know, in a way, the Cannabis Health Index 
was designed to give policymakers and 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 healthcare providers um, to to give them the data that they need to make more informed and discerning decisions about what conditions cannabis can be used for and and what what's the evidence and what type of evidence and 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 in in that sense how trusting can we be of that evidence and so so while while I still love working in 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 publishing and writing, you know, physical paper. I still like to hold a book and read and learn that way. But because of the rapid growth of the cannabinoid health sciences, you know, we thought that it would be really helpful and practical to create a um, an online version, a, a platform uh, that is similar to the Cannabis Health Index, lines up all the available scientific literature uh, that's associated with a particular condition, but in such a way that it's pre-digested and already pulls out all the, the relevant data in such a way that you can, you can glance at a, at a dashboard of a particular condition and see instantly how many clinical trials were conducted, how many preclinical trials you know, with the synopsis that highlights the the key points that make a significant difference in terms of saving time for an educator or for a prescribing healthcare uh, uh, person to to utilize the currently available data uh, in 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 the, the the most efficacious way to 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 access that data to make that process of learning about what what cannabis types are considered optimal for what condition, you know, so that, that that it's not a struggle. So it's not like I have to spend six hours of reviewing, you know, a number of, of the latest studies that, that uh, um, were published since the last I checked. And so, so in that sense, that's what we wanted to create with Kaneki, a, a real-life meta-analysis of the data that's available but distilled down so that individual patients or their providers have the, 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 the most important data at their fingertips, in a way, put us all at the same page in, you know, in, in terms of this is what the data says. In this case, yes, it works. In this case, no, it makes it worse. Or in this case, this cannabis uh, uh, chemotype works, and, and, but you know, it doesn't work for all patients, and here's why. And so it, you know, to bring nuance and complexity to an otherwise complicated process to to make it easier to to make to make uh, really evidence-based and uh, decisions about you know how to use utilize the science to uh, facilitate the, the the best possible healing regimen that that can be had and so that was the that was the idea behind it, and uh, we just launched uh, about uh, four months ago. So it's fairly new, and we, we're 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 working to to uh, um, uh, update and uh, and expand on the platform to you know to to give people the the tools you know that uh, that they need uh, in order to um, to to achieve the the, the goals that. Um, that they've set for themselves, either as providers or, or as, as patients, and it's been it's been a fun process. In fact, Mara Gordon is uh, is on our uh, um, board of directors. 
advisory board member, and uh, and you know we're 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 talking quite frequently about about you know how to digest the 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 data out there, you know, in a, in a way to let doctors know about you know uh, uh, why cannabis works and what the what the evidence behind it says, and and to bring it with the nuance, with the concentrated nuance that uh, that that um, facilitates uh, uh, the fastest education that's possible. Mm-hmm. Do you, for, for people who are interested in utilizing it, is it a subscription-based service? It's a subscription-based service, that's right. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you, can, you can go on canakeys.com uh, and, and do, you know, you get a free week to play around on it and see if it, if it, if it is, is a tool that that uh, is exciting to you and inspiring to you and, and a time-saving tool and helps you become a um, a, a better provider. And if you if you if you if if it, if, if that's what it does, then subscribe. And uh, if not, you can just uh, you play around with it and and access some of the the free portions and you just play with it at a more superficial level. But either way, you know, it will give you, it, it will, it will uh, provide you with some context that you may have not uh, uh, been able to arrive at uh, w- without it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I, I just think that the more materials we have for people to be able to refer to, because everybody learns in different ways. Some people like to do their own research. Some people like to have interface with the human being to have the conversations. But we have to have as many ways as possible for people to learn. And just the way that the the program itself disseminates the research is a huge help because it's I, for myself, like I'm always coming through research and it's, I think it's easier for me because I, I come from a, a research background. So I'm used to like going through all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But, but it can be intimidating if you're, if you're not, a, you know, if you don't speak science, you know, it, it can be intimidating. And, Absolutely. and, you know, you know, we, we, the thing is, we're not really trading anything new. We're just, we're just uh, utilizing the, the data that's already out there and presenting it in a way that's, that's uh, that makes it easier to to pull to to to, to distill the, the clinical data, you know, to to pull out the, the the highlights that are most relevant and most important as far as as optimizing a healing regimen is concerned, based on the data that's available, and you know, and so it not just shows you where the data says yes it works, but it also shows you where the holes are. You know, in in terms of what still needs to be fleshed out to to get a more complete picture, and uh, and and you know, but it's a it's a fascinating process to see not just the cannabinoid health sciences growing so rapidly, but also how much impact it can have for for a patient or for a, an educator or a provider in terms of being able to harness the the vast amount of 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 literature that's out there in a in a in an elegant fashion and and that is that is something that that um um is is exciting and that I'm proud to be part of yeah i i think that you know having that i mean and and you're right there are definitely holes in the research too but or i should say and um 
it's always amazing when I talk to somebody who isn't very engaged in cannabis and they're like, oh, well, there isn't enough research yet. And just the fact that you're saying that, <laughs> you know, there's there's 10 new pieces of research that come out that are made available every day. And when we're looking at like going back to how you were talking about, you know, the cannabis health index, how it helps educate people, but it also you know, when we're looking at people who are creating policy and stuff, one of the biggest things I think with education being more available is not only educating the public so we have savvy consumers, but also one of my big pushes this year is really having the conversation about the empowerment of the public to be able to affect change on cannabis policy so that we can get things available that we need. Because right now, policy largely consists of who's whispering in ears, state culture, which is incredibly strong, and stigma. And so if we're able to not only educate policymakers, but educate the public so that I, I, it's a call to action this year. It's like I, when people are upset that their favorite products are no longer available, or that cannabis has now become even more expensive than it was before, or their dissatisfaction with how difficult it can be to get into products, especially if they're disabled, having the conversation about, you know, this is, don't, don't hate the dispensaries, don't hate the products, actually, don't hate it all, but do something about it, <laughs> you know, because right. we... That's right, that's right. transcend the, the constricting emotions that you have about it into action. Yeah, and let let your legislators know that, you know, you're you're a, a very highly productive member of society. You pay taxes, you use cannabis, and you vote. That's right. I I, I, I use cannabis and I vote. And that's and I think that the more more policymakers start to see the public, see the people who are keeping them in their jobs. And realizing that like their ideas of what a person who uses cannabis looks like is very different and that their jobs are actually hanging in the balance until they change their mindset on that, I think is a very, very powerful way to make a change in policy. Yes, I absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly. And after that, <laughs> what are you excited about in the future? What are you working on? You, you know, um, uh, what I'm excited about is uh, expanding Canakees to to make it uh, to make it even better than it already is. And and uh, one of the things we're doing, we are working with international partners to to create a, a global setting because it's not just policymakers or healthcare providers or patients in the states. That, that need access to, to, to relevant data, you know, in a way that's meaningful and, and, and useful. But, you know, there, there are uh, 197 countries around the world that, uh, that uh, need uh, um, the, the, the substance and the systems, you know, to make, to make these decisions so that uh, cannabis can become uh, <clears throat> a respected medicine and can become available to, to the folks that want it and need it. And, uh, you know, and, and to providing them with an evidence-based platform that they can use to show, hey, you know, here is a list of 250 chronic conditions for which there are, uh, there's clinical evidence that uh, 
cannabis uh, um, uh, can make a, a significant difference, it, you know, is a useful and, and powerful tool. And so we've, we've begun to partner with uh, with uh, um, organizations uh, from around the world, like, for example, We Can in Brazil. We just uh, signed an agreement with them to, to share and collaborate our educational platforms and, and bring Canna Keys to uh, the Brazilian physicians and policymakers to, you know, to make, uh, to, to make to, and bring about the change that uh, is, is so clearly needed and demanded by, by many of the uh, patients that uh, are suffering from chronic conditions for which there is no, uh, no, no, no cure within you know, the orthodox medical system and who want access and who want to try uh, and who want to push that uh, door of hope a little further open regarding, you know, do I have to stay on, on pharmaceutical medications for the rest of my life, or is there a way to, uh, to, to u- utilize uh, cannabis to, to uh, deepen my healing process? And so, so, so it's, it's exciting to see how not just the, the winds of uh, change are blowing in the states and in, in the various uh, uh, halls of the federal government, but also how, how that uh, affects, you know, this, this, the same um, <clears throat> parallel positions and, uh, you know, and halls of, uh, of, of change uh, in, in, you know, other countries around the world. I mean, there are, there are places that I would have never thought would, would open up to cannabis. I mean, there's, you know, places uh, such as uh, uh, Thailand, very strict, now has uh, medicinal cannabis po- programs. Uh, the German government just uh, contracted with uh, a, a couple of, of previously very strict uh, 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 sub-Saharan African countries in terms of growing uh, industrial cannabis for medicinal purposes, and so so it's 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 wonderful to to see how the whole world is beginning to shift and embrace uh, natural medicine and uh, and the mind body potential that uh, that is so clearly implicit with it. Yeah, that's that's super exciting. That's I mean because it is there is a lot of stigma out there. I was just um. I was just reading an article about a gentleman who's a United States citizen who had been in Vegas, had used cannabis there, had traveled to Dubai, and ended up having some medical emergency where he had to go into the hospital. And when they did urinalysis, they found THC metabolites in his system. And so now he's being held before he gets tried for possession of cannabis. Yeah, that is one of those horror stories that sadly still exist in, in too many ways. And, um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do, I do am hopeful, though, and I do when I see places like uh, Zimbabwe changing from a very harsh, you know, zero tolerance policy to, to life imprisonment to growing medicinal cannabis. It, you know, it, it does give me hope on, yeah. on, a, on a global scale. And, you know, here's the other thing is one of the things we track on Canarchies is the res- where the research is done, what countries engage in what research and where the, the, the highlights of, uh, of research centers as far as countries are concerned. 
and and uh, you know you you mentioned Dubai and you know even places such as Iran you know which you know is is, is arguably a, uh, a a a strict country as far as uh, cannabis policy is concerned uh, a number of tri- really wonderful trials looking at the therapeutic benefits of cannabis or, or cannabis constituents have been coming out of out of universities and research institutions in in Iran and so it's always fascinating to 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 see you know where where research is being done and and while there are a few countries where no cannabis research is being done um, most of the countries in the world at least to a degree uh, have begun to contribute to the collective knowledge of uh, of the cannabinoid health sciences, and and that is just that is just a, a, a hope delivering piece of knowledge I, I wanted to share. Yeah. What are the countries that you're seeing the most research coming out of? You know, as as much as we you know we have um, research barriers, the United States is one of the top research producing countries in the world. And uh, and so so yeah, Brazil is another one. Israel is another one. Uh, um, the um, Netherlands is another one, uh, and the UK is another one. But there are also some some really you know countries that you wouldn't expect. You know, like uh, Czechoslovakia has a has a, a fairly large amount of, of of trials being being entered. Uh, but you know, um, it's it's it's. I have to do a search and see which countries have done none of the research. And I think the only one I can think of off the top of my head would be North Korea. South Korea actually has has contributed quite a number of studies, uh, uh, you know. And um, but North Korea, I'm pretty sure, has not done that's any of the, the research and that's not surprising no you know, so yeah. fascinating stuff it, because it's you know a lot it's it's eye-opening i mean you and i take it for granted the vast amount of research that's coming out all the time but most people have mm. no idea yeah i mean you know it, it, if you go to pubmed and you punch in cannabis you'd get in excess of thirty thousand individual uh, scientific papers published on, you know, on 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 a single plant alone. There is there there is no other plant that uh, that that brings forth this kind of a research excitement in the academic com- community. So in the in the in, in industrial research communities, as as this plant and and it's contagious. And, you know, and and of course in in industry is motivated mostly by by profits and profit potentials. But you know, I I I, I do am an optimist and I think even the most hardened uh, um capitalist, you know, is going to appreciate the fact that they're working on a plant that uh, uh, is going to make a difference, uh, a potential difference, as far as mitigating uh, a disease and uh, and suffering is concerned. Yeah, I I feel like we're coming full circle because it's like when I teach my history class, I always talk about the fact that you know cannabis and human beings, it's it's widely thought that it's one of the most um, one of the oldest cultivation relationships 
and um, yeah, we're, we're getting yeah, back absolutely. to it. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've cultivated, we have co-evolved with, with cannabis, you know, in fact, endocannabinoid receptors, you know, endo meaning within cannabis, kana in the middle section of the word in reference to cannabis and oid meaning like, if you read it backwards, it means like cannabis within. The body makes its own version of cannabis and all mammals have an endocannabinoid system and researchers have traced the origin of the the endocannabinoid system, the components of that, hundreds of millions of years back to, to a specific point in time in the evolutionary process. And so the plant and the the versions of the plant within have co-evolved over that period of time, which is a fascinating mystery to ponder. You know, is there some 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 uh, spiritual design at play? Is it evolution that's purely coincidental? Is it a combination of of uh, possibilities in between? You know, I, it, it's just fun to ponder. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's um, and it just it, really like even though we we don't have exacts on that, it's it's an interesting thing to to think about how we're we're made for it. I, and it's, it's just, it's fascinating that we've had this, really when you think about the years of prohibition in the big picture, it's a small blip compared to the times that we've had. Um, exactly. Yeah, our medicinal and spiritual relationships with it. Um, wow, we're, we're at our hour. Oh my God. <laughs> I knew this would happen. <laughs> I always have so much fun talking to you. When, if our listeners want to reach out to you or follow you or learn more, um, where should they go? They should go to canakeys.com, C-A-N-N-A-K-E-Y-S.com. And there's a, an email link, uh, you know, over at canakeys.com. And you want to email me, you want to have a question or concern, uh, please let me know. Uh, we, we frequently highlight uh, uh, FAQs, questions that come in, you know, to any of the media, social media platforms. We, we answer them, uh, you know, frequently and, and publish them on Canakees as well. And um, it, it was a pleasure, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. And for our listeners, if you want to check out Uva's books, it, there is Your Cannabis THC Ratio, which is his latest book. And also, please check out the Cannabis Health Index. These are wonderful books. I actually use um, the CHI for one of my textbooks when I teach. And um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, you know what? You're going to love the new edition. I am super excited. It's actually on its way to I'm me gonna... even as we speak. I'm, ex I'm excited to, to tear into it and... and uh, and get back to you with, you know, all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime and I'll send you a copy. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and for our listeners out there, if you would like to follow Planted on social media or on our website, um, we are on Twitter and Instagram is Planted with Sarah. Facebook, we are Planted with Sarah Pion. Our website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. Radio Misfits Network is our parent network. They are wonderful. You really should check out some of the other podcasts that they're on there. We are the only cannabis podcast, but there are other wonderful ones. One of my favorites is The Winemakers. 
Also, we are at two episodes a month, so tune in. You can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast um, bases. If you get us on Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and Google. So tune in next time for another exciting, interesting conversation. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay curious, and it's a crazy world out there. So be good to each other. Take care.